welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well as Twitter and Instagram at Exchange Houston. The following message is from our lead pastor, Jared Brooks. Where are you at? I, I mean, I know it's a little quiet this morning, but y'all got to help me out. I'm, well, I'll be watching football on, uh, well, I'll be just on a Sunday afternoon watching a football game or something, and they'll do the national anthem, and my four-year-old will be walking through the house. When she hears the national anthem, she runs back in there, and she will stand and put her hand on her heart, and she will listen to the national anthem. And I love that. I love that because I love America. You guys got to help me this morning. I love America. America is one of the only places that you can get away with almost anything. You can do so many things in America. You can't do other places, you know? There's a story I was reading, and it's about a lieutenant, a private, and a beautiful young lady who are all riding together in the same compartment of a train. And uh, they're riding this train together. And since lieutenants and privates don't talk, it was really awkward silence. And so they're cruising on this train. They come to a, a, a tunnel. They go into this tunnel. When they go into the tunnel, the train turns black. I mean, it's pitch black. And there's two sounds that pierce the darkness. The first sound is a passionate kiss. The second sound is a slap. A hard slap. They come out of the tunnel, and the cabin lights back up, and the lieutenant's sitting there, and he starts thinking, and he's got a big red streak across his face. And he thinks, wow, that private must have kissed that beautiful young lady, and she tried to slap him, and she slapped me. The young lady, she starts thinking, wow, that lieutenant must have tried to kiss me and missed and got the private. And he got slapped. And the private sitting there thinking, wow, only in America can you kiss the back of your hand, slap the lieutenant, and get away with it. <laughs> Good. There you go. You kind of woke up a little bit trying to help me out. But this Tuesday, we celebrate the signing of the Declaration of Independence, our nation's freedom. And that's exciting to me. I love the 4th of July. It gets a little annoying in my neighborhood. Uh, because it doesn't stop. It's like nine days long and uh, till about four o'clock in the morning all the time. It's just, it gets a little old, but I love what it stands for, and I love the freedom that we have in signing the Declaration of Independence. As it was signed, John Adams said this, wherever we live, whether we live or die, sink or swim, succeed or fail, I stand behind this Declaration of Independence. And if God wills it, I'm ready to die in order that this country might experience freedom. One of the greatest movies of all time, by the way. Reverend, with your permission, I'd like to make an announcement. Young man, this is a house of God. I understand that, Reverend. I apologize. 
The South Carolina militia is being called up. I'm here to enlist every man willing. Son, we are here to pray for the souls of those men hanging outside. Yes, pray for them. But honor them by taking up arms with us. And bring more suffering to this town. If King George can hang those men, our friends, he can hang any one of us. Dan Scott, barely a week ago I heard you rail for two hours about independence. And? Mr. Hardwick, how many times have I heard you speak of freedom at my father's table? Half the men in this church, including you, Father, and you, Reverend, are as ardent patriots as I. Will you now, when you are needed most, stop at only words? Is that the sort of men you are? I ask only that you act upon the beliefs of which you have so strongly spoken and in which you so strongly believe. Who's with us? permission to write to Anne. Hey? May I have permission to write Anne? Yes. You have permission to write me. Write her? Yes, sir. Very well. Thank you, sir. Reverend? The shepherd must tend his flock, and at times, fight off the wolves. You know, it was that kind of patriotism that led a group of men with little more than hunting rifles to engage in one of the most powerful wars ever against one of the strongest nations ever. And, and I thank God uh, for men like that. And I know it's just a movie and, and it's Hollywoodized and, and all that stuff. But it's so true. And it paints such a picture of, of what men and women went through.
um, fighting to, to get our freedom and to hold our freedom. But many of our forefathers paid a terrible price um, for the victory that you and I have so that we could live in the land of the free and the home of the brave. But often we forget that in declaring their independence from England, our forefathers equally made a strong declaration of their dependence to God. Number one, they declared their dependence upon God. They, they made a strong declaration, said, we, we trust in God. We build everything around the principles of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The sec- second paragraph in the Declaration of Independence begins with these words. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by the Creator with certain unalienable rights, that, might, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The Creator gave us, okay? Our forefathers recognized that the Creator gave us these rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They recognized that, they believed it, and they put it in our declaration. And then the closing words of this declaration states this, with firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. It's important for us to remember that this declaration of dependence of God was at a time when, when our, our nation was in, in dire straits. It was before our nation really existed, but this, this community, their land was in such turmoil. And it kind of reminds me a little bit about what people think about America today. A lot of people see America, and they see America as, as, as falling apart, as dying. And I don't see America that way. I don't see America as falling apart and dying. I see America as still a strong nation. Because I believe in the principles of Jesus Christ. And I believe that if God is for us, nothing can stop us. Amen? Come on, do you believe that? And I believe that we are stronger today than we were yesterday. And I believe that we're going to continue to progress and see our nation get stronger and stronger and stronger. But they were rapidly um, forgetting God. And our forefathers are trying to remind us that it is God who gave our nation its birth and its greatness. Now, I know a lot of you recognize the name Patrick Henry. Okay, some of you probably remember a little bit about him, studied him a little bit. I don't know how much today. Uh, I remember a lot about Patrick Henry. Y'all, you guys know about Patrick Henry? Could Marissa, can you come up here and help me? I'm just kidding. She's like, are you serious? Are you serious? I barely stay awake. No, I'm just kidding. I know you're a straight A student. But uh, back when I was in school, we studied American history. And Patrick Henry uh, is just an important figure in American history. But I want to talk a little bit about him this morning. Patrick Henry was a famous statesman of the colonial Virginia. In 1764, he was elected to the Virginia. Now, if you, if you take notes, you try to keep up with me here, because I'm going to give you a lot of kind of his accolades. But in, in 1764, he was elected to the Virginia House of Burgess, where he became a champion of the frontier people. Okay, in 1774, he was delegated to the first Continental Congress. In 1775, before the Virginia Providential Convention, which was deeply divided between those who supported England and those who desired freedom, 
he uttered his famous words, give me liberty or there you go. So does that ring a bell? Eric's like, oh, that Patrick Henry. I'm with you. I'm with you. Sweet. Okay, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> During the Revolutionary War, he became the commander in chief of Virginia's military forces. He was a member of the Second Continental Congress. He helped draw up the first Constitutional Commonwealth of Virginia, and he was primarily responsible for drawing up the amendments to our Constitution, which are known as the Bill of Rights. He became, now this is pretty cool, he became Virginia's first governor, and he was reelected three more times, and then he retired. After he retired, he was elected governor of Virginia a fifth time, and he refused to take office, and they still elected him governor. You are the man when you can refuse to take office, and they still vote you in a governor. Isn't that all? Nobody's impressed with me. I was impressed. <laughs> then he was offered a seat in the U.S. Senate and post as an ambassador to Spain and France, President George Washington asked him to join his cabinet and also asked him to become his Secretary of State and later wanted to appoint him the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, all of which Patrick Henry refused. So I said all of that just to say that in the beginning when our nation was being formed, Patrick Henry was the man. Right? We can all agree. Patrick Henry was the man. People looked to this man for leadership. People saw something in him that they had to have. Okay? So this guy was a natural leader. So I mention all that because I want you to hear these words that, that he said. He said, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not by religion but on the gospel of Jesus Christ that's the same guy the same guy that everybody wanted to vote into office even the presidents of the United States needed him by his side and this man saw that this nation was not built on some kind of religion this nation was built on the foundation, the gospel of Jesus Christ that's what America was built on and he recognized that he saw that his last will and testament was filed in the Brooknell County Courthouse in Virginia. And you can read his whole last will and testament. And in it, he gives his children everything. Um, he willed everything to his children. But the last paragraph is what I want to read to you. He says this in the last paragraph of his, his will. He says, I have now given everything I own to my children. There is one more thing I wish to give that I could give it to them. And that is Jesus Christ. Because if they have everything that I give them and do not have Christ, they have nothing. They have nothing. I can leave the farm. I can leave all the cattle. I can leave all the wealth I have. But if I don't leave with them a relationship with Christ, I've left them nothing. 
If I don't leave with them the fact that they can turn to Jesus for anything in their life. If I don't leave with them the fact that Jesus can, can heal and he for, can forgive and, and he can lift up and he can restore. He can restore broken homes. If I don't leave that with them, then I've left them nothing. This is what Patrick Henry said. This is what he believed. And I love history. I love reading about Patrick Henry and George Washington and, and John Adams, and Thomas Jefferson, John Jay, and many of the other patriots who gave themselves so that we could enjoy freedom. I love history. I, lo- I loved history in school for a couple reasons. One, I just thought history was important, important and, and cool because it was real. Okay, I never looked at math as real. <laughs> I never saw math as real. Algebra 2, I never saw it as real. Okay, but history, I saw that as real. And, and history was in the books. Like, I could study for a history test, and it was all, I could flip pages and find it in the book. I studied for a math test, I couldn't find it in the books. Okay, because it's some kind of weird formula you have to create. And then they give it to you on a test, and the answer's not in a book. History was in the book. Big difference. Big difference. But the thing is, we need to be reminded that there's also a warning that came to another nation uh, that was experiencing the thrill of independence after centuries of slavery. The Israelites come out of Egypt and they've been just bound up and bound up and bound up. And all of a sudden they have this incredible freedom. And they're loving this freedom. But over 3,000 years ago, there was a warning that was sent to them that I believe could still be applied today to the United States. In Deuteronomy chapter number 8, verse 7, Moses tells the people in verse 7, he says, For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land, a land with brooks and streams, deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills. A land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce. And you will lack nothing. A land where rocks are iron and you can dig copper out of the hills. And when you have eaten and you are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. Amen? I mean, that's kind of like America. That's where we're at. That's what God's given us. And, and Moses is telling the people, he said, remember, praise God for the good land he's given you. Now, he's talking to the children of Israel here. And so he goes on and he warns them. He says, beware. He says, be careful, in verse 11, that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his degrees that I'm giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied... When you build fine houses and settle down and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Listen, I think we have to have a reason to be concerned about that. Now, we live in a better covenant than they lived in. 
okay? They, they lived in, in, in a, a basic covenant. There were sacrifices given for their, the remission of their sins. We live in a better covenant. Jesus Christ came, and he became the ultimate sacrifice. And he's telling them, this is before Jesus. This is before God sent his only son to become the ultimate sacrifice. This is when he pulls them out of Egypt, and he says, listen, God gave you everything. He supplied all your needs. He's continuing to supply your needs, and never again will you be in the situation that you just came out of so don't forget it don't work and do it yourself and then look at yourself and go wow look at what I did he says because then you're going to become prideful you're going to become arrogant and you're going to forget what God's done for you and he says I'm telling you to remember thank God when I look at America today and I see all the things that have happened in America the only thing that I can go back is is we've become arrogant Right? Right? You're not going to get in trouble for a grin. They're, the police aren't waiting outside or whatever. That's not America. But America has become arrogant. We've done this ourselves. We are self-made. And so little by little, we've taken God and pushed God further and further out of America. And we've, we've done this. We've made America. And, and Moses has given the children of Israel a warning and I think that America needs a wake-up call. I don't believe that we're in trouble. I don't believe that God's going to come down and, and, and he's going to pull a Sodom and Gomorrah on us. I don't believe he's fixing to flood America or whatever and we're all going to drown. I don't believe that, but I believe he's given us a warning that we don't need to forget the reason that we have this amazing freedom. You decided to come to church this morning. You could or you didn't have to. You could be out of town. You could be, on, you could be sleeping in. You could be doing whatever you want. You chose to come to church. You have that freedom. And you could choose right now if you wanted to to get up and walk out. Our bouncers at the door will stop you, ask you to come back in, but, but you have that right. That's the, the America that we live in. And so we need to, number two, watch out. So number one is we need to declare our dependence on God. Number two, watch out that we don't forget the testimony of history has made it abundantly clear that not only nations, but also individuals need to heed these warnings. The greatness of our nation is not measured by military power, technological advances, or even national wealth, but it's righteousness and justice. Those are the determining factors. Solomon, one of the wisest of all men, said, Righteousness exalts a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. So, what happens is, Madeline Murray O'Hare, she comes and she complains. And says, you know what? I don't think there should be any prayer in schools. And our Supreme Court says, you know what? You're right. Good point. Okay? No prayer in schools. Then somebody comes in and says, you shouldn't read the Bible in school. There shouldn't be a Bible in school because it talks about stealing and killing and loving people. That's crazy. So we need to take the Bible out of schools. And our nation says, you know what? You're right. Take the Bible out of schools. Then, once, then someone said, then Dr. J Benjamin Spock says, I don't think we should spank our children because disciplining your children with strong disciplines might warp their personalities. And damage their self-esteem. So we say, okay, spanking is wrong. 
No more spanking. It's timeouts. They don't even call it timeout anymore. It's called thinking time because timeout carries a negative connotation. I want a daycare, trust me. Okay? Timeout is bad. That's evil. Can you believe that? When timeout started, I was like, that's stupid. Spank them, right? And then now they say timeout's dumb because that's negative. It's thinking time. Thinking time. Isn't that crazy? Thinking time. And there's somebody that's going to hear this, and they're really going to be offended with me, <laughs> that, that I am against thinking time. I put my kids in thinking time. They just think about how to sneak around thinking time. That's all they do. But then someone says, so discipline is negative. So teachers and principals should not discipline our children and should never spank our children. I wish they would have said that before I graduated high school in 1996. Because when I was in high school, they didn't say that yet. And therefore, I got lots of paddlings. Okay? <laughs> Nobody else in here got paddlings. A couple of y'all. But I got paddlings. I mean, whoo, boy. And one of my principals, he had holes all drilled in the paddle for airflow or something. I don't know. <laughs> but I remember the sting. And they would say, take your wallet out of your back pocket. And if I knew I was getting paddling, you know, you wear like six pairs of shorts. You come to school like bloated. <laughs> Just hoping because there are sometimes you knew you're getting it the next day. And uh, man, if they would have said this before then. And so they say, no more touching any children in school when they misbehave. And be careful that you don't strongly discipline them because it's bad publicity and lawsuits. And you know what our school systems say? Okay. Then someone has this awesome idea. Let's provide kids with condoms. Okay? That way they can have as much fun as they want without the consequences. It's safe sex, right? And we say, okay, let's provide them in schools. And then someone has a bright idea. You know what we could also do? Provide abortions for underage kids so then they don't even have to tell their parents. There is a whole article about if you get pregnant and you're underage, that you can go and get counseling and you can have procedures done. Okay, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. And then we look at America and we look at what's happening in America and we wonder why it seems like kids are growing up with no consequences. People are growing up and it's like they don't even know right from wrong. It's like our kids are growing up and they just don't even get it. People are killing people with no remorse. Right? And you go, wow, what has happened to these crazy kids? There's this funny thing that the Bible says that you reap what you sow. is this weird verse they put in the Bible. And it talks about that. You, you know what I'm saying here? So maybe this enslaving and deceiving nature of sin. It's, it's what people get caught up. And they think that it's freedom. Because it's freedom that we don't have to live and be bound by this. And we have freedom to do whatever we want. And so this enslaving, deceiving nature of sin binds people. And they're really bound and enslaved to sin itself. You go to the wino on the street and say, hey, I want to set you free from alcoholism. And he says, I'm not a slave to anything. Give me my bottle back. Right? The prodigal son, he says, I want to be free. Give me everything that I have, Dad. Give me all my money, everything. I want to be free. And he goes off. 
and he wanders to a far country. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. But his freedom is brief. His friends leave him, his money runs out, and he finds himself enslaved to a Gentile taskmaster and to a group of hogs in a hog wallow. And it wasn't until he came back to his father that he actually found freedom. So number three, our real freedom comes in Christ. When you stand back and you look at this land of the free and home of the brave and you wonder, is there really any freedom anymore? I can tell you, thank God that we have freedom. We have a greater freedom than any constitution could grant us. Can you imagine that? Don't you realize how powerful that is? That our freedom is not bound up in a set of documents. And those, I love our constitution. I love the Declaration of Independence. But that freedom uh, does not supersede the freedom that God has given us. As Christians, as believers in Christ, we have freedom. There's a, a, a word for freedom in the New Testament. And the word is redemption. Redemption means to be set free. Okay? Redemption. You have redemption. You have been given freedom. You have been set free. That means that the ultimate price has been paid. Okay? For your redemption, that means somebody already came in and paid a price and you now have been set free. Paul's letter to Titus he tells us that we've been set free from the bondage of sin in Titus 2, chapter, uh, chapter number 2, verse 11. It says this, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to what? Redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. Jesus Christ came to redeem you to set us free okay he came to set us free from the sin that that holds us down that binds us uh and and keeps us from god's will and, and because we've been given that freedom we're not there's no condemnation there's no condemnation for those in Christ. Now, Jesus came to redeem us, and then he allowed us to live in a nation where we have freedom to proclaim that, freedom to spread that. We can spread the gospel because we're free. I was telling the, the worship team this morning that when I was writing this message and I was thinking about this message, I sat back in my chair right about this point in my message, and I was like... Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that you picked me to live in the United States of America where I'm free. Thank you, God, that I can walk outside and I can witness. I can go to my neighbor's house. I can go across the street to Mike's house and we can talk about Jesus Christ. And, and I can go to this house and I can talk about Jesus Christ. I can get on the radio and I can talk about Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, that you trusted me because you knew that I was going to spread the gospel and I was going to be a, a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
after I sat there for a minute thinking how proud I am of myself that, that God picked me. He picked me to be a, an ambassador for him in this free nation. And the thought hit me, and I, this wasn't the Holy Spirit. This wasn't the Holy Spirit. This was the Holy Jared thought. The, actually, it wasn't even a Holy Jared thought. It was a, a, you know, you got the two devils. You got oh, the one devil, and then you got the little angel. I, I got two devils, actually. <laughs> but, but most people have one devil and then one angel. But the, the little devil on this side, he put a thought in my head, and he said, the reason that you were chosen to live in this nation of free Land of the free, home of the brave is because God didn't trust you when persecution would arise to live anywhere else. What? Slow down, player. I looked at the devil. I, I went to Cambodia a few years ago. And on this trip, Cambodia, we were doing a pastor's conference. And we had about uh, 250 pastors that came across from Vietnam. And they had to sneak across from Vietnam because Vietnam is still very closed, very communist. And so they, didn't, they don't have freedoms to just do that. So they sneak across to Cambodia. Cambodia is also very closed. I'm going to kind of tell you this quickly. But the president, or the king of Cambodia, he was dying. I mean, he was on his deathbed. And... Um, they, they, the doctors gave him no hope. Well, there's a pastor in Cambodia, a Christian pastor, who went to the king's people and said, look, um, I was praying, and God told me he wanted to heal the king. And this is the current king that's still alive right now. So this is like not hundreds of years ago. So, and the king is a former Vietnamese guy. So they said, well, come in and heal him. And he, so he comes and he faces the king. He says, God told me this morning he wants to heal you. And the king says, yes. And he says, but I need to pray for you. The king says, pray. And the guy says, but I have to lay my hands on you. And it's law. You cannot lay your hands on the king. So the king says, granted, you lay your hands on me. I would have said that too, right? Somebody came and said, hey, God wants to heal you, but I need to lay my hands on you. Pray, lay your, lay your hands on me. Lay your hands on me. Lay your hands on me. Anybody know that song? Nobody? Nobody? Bon Jovi? Really? Wow. Wow. Oh, Jesus. I need to do a whole series on like classic rock and roll. Um, anyway, that's beside the point. So the point is, is so he prays for this king and the king is healed healed so the king grants this pastor he says you know what we're going to build you a church and you can do anything you want inside that church you we cannot stop you the government the authorities will not stop you do anything you want inside the church you just can't do anything outside the church you can't go witnessing and bringing people nothing like that the pastor says, fine. So they have this church. We went to this church and we did these crusades, these pastor conferences. And they pack out that church. And the whole time during worship, everybody in that church, you're, the worship pastor's up here and he's dancing the whole time. And he's singing and everybody's dancing. And everybody in the church dances across the stage. Woo! And they'll get up and they'll wave at everybody. And, and I mean, there's like total freedom. It don't matter. And kids dancing, they're jumping off stage, doing backflips and stuff. That's crazy. But they have this freedom. So 
we're there and they're preaching. And all of a sudden we see all these cops come in to the church. You were on that trip, weren't you? These cops all come in to the church that we're having this crusade in. And I thought they were Cambodian police, but they're Vietnamese cops. And so, you know, word gets around pretty quick that the Vietnamese police are here. And you can tell tension just came over this place. So the pastor's preaching, and the interpreter is a Vietnamese guy. Because they have a Vietnamese guy on this side and a Cambodian guy on this side. And then a Laotian. Is that how you say it? Laotian guy. So I would say God is amazing and wants to save your soul. Then they would say it in Vietnamese. Whatever they say. And then they would say it in Cambodian. And then they would say it in Laos. And they all sound the exact same, but they're three different languages. So it, was a, it took a long time to like get out a, a paragraph because they translate it three times. At the end of service, they escorted the Vietnamese translator and arrested him. They took them all back, all the Vietnamese that they could catch. They took them all back to Vietnam because they weren't supposed to be there. They all got arrested. We get back to our hotel, and they had gone through all of our bags. The Vietnamese police went to our hotel room, went through all of our stuff. Uh, I used this as a, a scaring point for our, our master's commission. I scared the bejesus out of one of our girls. <laughs> Me and Jay, we, we, we told them, our, the guy that we were with, the missionary, he said, listen, when somebody knocks on your door, do not open the door for anybody. The Vietnamese police, they can't do anything to you, but don't open the door for them. This is real. Yeah, that's real. This is real truth. Don't open the door. So we go to bed that night, and I have this brilliant idea. It was brilliant. Let's go knock on some doors. So I go down the hall to this one door, and I knock on the door. And you hear this girl, her name is Jennifer Denman. She goes, who is it? And I said, and she goes, oh, my God. So we run back down to my room. And they ring our phone. So Jay answers the phone. He's like, hello. And they're like, the Vietnam police are outside of our door. And he's like, don't answer the door. So we run back down there. Knock on the door. You know what I'm saying? All that stuff. <laughs> and they're like crying. They're freaking out. We've got them on the phone the whole time. We're dying laughing. I mean, this is like the greatest. I'm thinking this is the greatest prank so we leave Vietnam, and they're freaked out. They're still freaked out. We get home, and we're standing in front of the church, and we're all giving testimonies. She stands up to give her testimony, and she says, guys, we were under so much persecution. The Vietnam police were banging on our doors, begging to get in, and they were trying to get in. We wouldn't let them in, and they went through all of our stuff. And so then I came up after her, and I said, man, it was an awesome trip. We had so much fun. Like one day, I banged on their door and acted like I was a Vietnam police. And she's looking at me. She's like, what? So it was awesome. But my whole point wasn't that joke, but that, that was a funny prank. But my point is that there are nations, there are countries right now that they can't do what we're doing, okay? They can't talk the way we're talking and have the freedom that we have. They get in trouble. They are persecuted. We, did, we preached at a house church, and when I say house church, they'll put you in a, a room like this, and they will literally 
pile 50 people in a room like this and it is so hot and they are writing down every word you say. I mean, they're not waiting for a good point. They're not going, oh, I'll remember that or whatever. They are writing down every word you say and they, they have pages of the Bible folded up. Some of them have the whole book of Acts folded up. They can't keep it in the Bible and it's in their pocket. And that's how they do it. That's the, that's the persecution that people go through. And then this voice is telling me, maybe you were born in America. Maybe you were living in America because when persecution gets tough, maybe you're not strong enough to handle it. Maybe that's why the strong ones are in Cambodia, in Vietnam, in China. Maybe it's the weak ones. No, okay, now I'm stepping on some toes here. I'm not, this is the devil talking to me on my shoulder. And it got me to thinking, maybe you're right. Maybe I'm not the spiritual giant that I should be. Maybe God has called me to live in America and the land of the free and the home of the brave. And he wants me to be a giant in the kingdom. And my freedom has made me a coward. Because I can if I want. But I don't have to. For some people, it's life and death. Life and death. The gospel of Jesus Christ has got to be preached. How will they know unless someone tells them? And who will go? Who will send me? Isaiah says, I'll go. Send me. So my message to you is if, if we're really patriots, we're true patriots, I consider myself a patriot, okay? I love America. I love America. I love our flag. I love our national anthem. I mean, when it's played, I stand up. I salute. I'm proud of the flag. I don't care what flag it is. I have a flag that, that hangs on my truck, and it fell off my ice chest onto the table and landed on a uh, Peyton and Parker's little stroller thing. And I was like, ah, don't let it touch the ground. I don't know why. That's, I'm, a, I'm a patriot. Don't let it touch the ground. I don't want to have to burn it. It's my only flag. <laughs> because I'm a patriot. Because I love America. But if I love America, then I have to love the fact that America was built on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if I'm going to be a true patriot of America, then I have to be a bigger patriot of Jesus Christ. And I have to make sure that people know that our freedom is not just on a constitution. It's not just on a declaration of independence. But my freedom comes from the fact that Jesus Christ gave his life for me. He gave me life. He gave me life. And he expects me to live it eternally, abundantly. That's what living in America is all about. And then when we sing this song, and my kids love going to the Astros game. They love singing, take me out to the ball game. They love singing the heart of Texas, deep in the heart of, and they can't, they can't get it right. No, there's no, no possible way. I mean, they're like waiting, and then they're always like two beats behind. You know, they just can't get it. But they love singing this song, and it says, God bless America, land that I love. Stand beside her, listen, and guide her through the night with the light from above. Have you ever thought about that? See, we sing that song. We have no clue what we're saying. But it's saying, I love America. And through the darkness, through the trials, through the tribulations, when life is tough, 
I'm going to guide her with the light from above. From the mountains to the prairies to the oceans white with foam. God bless America. My home sweet home. Isn't that powerful? So when we get ready to celebrate in two days the signing of the Declaration of Independence, I want us to remember this, that yes, we have freedom, but God's called us to be giants in this land of the free and home of the brave. He's called us to be giants and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ, the freedom that we have. I'm going to ask Eddie if you guys come back. We're going to get ready to close with this. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this prayer over us as a church. And, you know, holidays, every time it starts getting time for a holiday, you know, as a pastor you go, okay, it's Mother's Day, I need to preach on moms, and it's Father's Day, I need to preach on dads, things like that. But when it comes to 4th of July and, and Memorial Day, things like that, Veterans Day, man, I get really excited because I, I love America. That movie we played a clip of, I love The Patriot. One of the greatest movies. Uh, I went through this phase when I was young in ministry that I was not going to watch any rated R movies. And so I start going through all the movies at my house and I'm getting rid of all my rated R movies. And then I come to The Patriot and it's rated R. And I was like, what? The Hounds of Patriot rated R is the greatest movie of all time. So I found this website, and it, they used to edit movies. And it was called Family Flicks. And I, don't, I, I think they're, they got sued, and they no longer can do this. But you send them their movie, the movie. They edit it. They send it back to you. They cut a pie chip out of it, glue it to your case. And then they put an uh, edited movie in your, your DVD case. So I sent off a bunch of movies. Shrek was on the edited list. They can edit Shrek because he says fart and butt and stuff like that. <laughs> so they can edit Shrek. So I was like, wow, that's awesome. Um, but they send back the Patriot edited because I thought they, you know, they take out cuss words and strong violence, stuff like that. And they took out the scene where the cannonball bounces and takes his head off. So I went back and bought the movie. I want you to take out cussing and stuff, not violence against the English. <laughs> okay? I want that cannonball to take his head clear off because that was awesome. And when you're watching that movie for the first time and you see that cannonball poof, go through his head, you're like, whoa. That just happened. You rewind it like four or five times and watch it in slow-mo. You're like, wow, that is incredible how I did that. My point is that I love America. I really do. And if I love America, then what I have to love is that our forefathers built us to love God. There were two groups of people that were headed across the ocean to, this, to America. And the, there's a group of Spaniards and a group of Englishmen. And as they're loading their vessels, they're getting ready to come, and this is true, this is what happened. They went two different directions. One group settled, and it became North America, and one group settled, and it became South America. And the group that was headed north, their mission was, 
We're going to find God. Religious freedom. That was their mission. The group headed south. Their mission was, we're going in search of gold. I mean, I could drop mic drop now if I had a handheld mic because that's a good mic drop place because you look at the difference in North America and South America and the prosperity and the things that have happened over the last few hundred years. America's been blessed. America's been blessed. I thank God that I live in a place where there was a group of people that came looking for God, not gold. And in looking for God, He has provided gold. He's provided everything that we need. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then the Bible says all these other things will be added unto you. Will you you bow your heads and, and close your eyes and pray with me? As we celebrate again the birth of our nation, I pray God that our country might have a new birth of freedom. Not freedom from God, but rather freedom built upon God and your commandments. God, I pray right now for each of us as individuals that we reaffirm our dependence upon God so that we're looking to Jesus as the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. That we might experience The freedom that only comes through Jesus. Freedom from worry. Freedom from doubt. Freedom from fear. Freedom from sin. Freedom from oppression. Freedom from depression. Freedom from all sickness. And freedom from disease, God. All the things that so easily entangle us. God, we pray right now that you reaffirm inside of us a love for our nation but a love for our nation that reminds us that our nation needs Jesus that our nation needs you God and if we're going to be true patriots true Americans God we have to stand up and we have to fight for the religious freedoms that you've given us and as our founding forefathers of our country found that in you There's life, liberty, and true happiness. So, Father, I pray for our country right now. Come on, will you do that? Will you just just begin to pray for America? Father, I pray for our president right now. It doesn't matter if people like him, if people hate him, if people agree, if people disagree. The word says that all authority comes from you. God, and every, every president that we've had over the last several decades of of my life God I've always prayed for him I've always stood and believed God that you have a plan so I pray right now for our president I pray for our congress I pray for our legislature God I pray right now Lord that for all the leaders in this nation that at some point there will be people put in their lives that will remind them that in every decision in every uh, opportunity for conflict resolution, Lord, that they'll always seek you first. God, I believe in what your word says, that if your people who are called by your name will humble themselves and 
and pray and seek your face, God, that you will hear from heaven and you'll come in and you'll heal our land. Lord, I know that your hand is upon America. God, I know that there are so many hundreds of thousands of millions of people that are believers who stand in the gap daily for America. And you've honored that. You've rewarded that. God, but I don't want to just stand in the gap for America. I want to bridge the gap, Lord. I want, I want to, to be a voice to the lost and dying world. Not just in America, but all over. That they might see Jesus. So I pray for our nation, Lord. I pray for a generation that we won't forget the price that was paid. In a couple days as we celebrate the day that an incredible group of men came together and they signed documents declaring our independence. And through that independence, we were able to declare dependence for the first time. And our dependence was declared upon you, Jesus. We're nothing without you. Our nation is nothing without the hand of God. And for that we say thank you. For that we say thank you, God. Just take a moment with your head bowed and your eyes closed. And in your own way, will you just thank him? You just thank him for, for the job you have for the, the freedoms that you have to have a job if you choose. Thank you for listening to the Exchange Church Podcast. Follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for the Exchange Church Houston. If you would like to give to the Exchange Church, you can go to our website at IamTheExchange.com and look for the red button in the top right corner labeled Give Online.